Welcome to the She's All That video podcast. Conversations with women doing awesome shit, impacting lives and making change. Stories that you'll want to hear. I'm your host, September Smith, and my guest in this episode is Alison T. Garrett. She's all that. She knows all about the mental prisons that can hold us back from living the extraordinary life that we were meant to live. Having broken through some of the hardest challenges a person can survive, through her book, her speaking engagements, her powerful TEDx talk, her advocacy, and her programs, Allison helps individuals and corporations to move beyond their past and create an extraordinary new reality. Listen in to hear our conversation and Allison's truly remarkable story. She's all that. Welcome to the She's All That video podcast. I'm September Smith, your host, and today I am so pleased to have Allison T. Garrett with me here as a guest. Allison first hit my radar when I stumbled upon her on a TEDx talk. I was seriously blown away. I had to discover more about this person. So I went hunting, and what I found out was that Allison is an award-winning national speaker. She's a TEDx speaker, which is how I found her. She's an author of the book, I Was, I Am, How to Move Beyond Your Past and Create an Extraordinary Life. She's a certified life coach, and she's the CEO of multiple entrepreneurial ventures. Pretty outstanding woman. But what was really intriguing, Allison, was how you presented in that TEDx talk and what it represented. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Well, thank you so much, September, for having me. I wanted to make my talk uh, impactful. And I was trying to think of a way to represent what I was trying to share. And it was basically where you are today and where you want to be, or maybe where you have been in your past and where you want to move to. So I had a very unique experience in that in my, in my life. So I decided to wear a prison jumpsuit and handcuffs. And at the end of my talk, I released the handcuffs and I unzipped out of that prison jumpsuit and I had on my cute dress and I put my shoes on uh, and, and I walked off the stage. And to me, that represented me walking away from all of the things in my past and, and walking into this extraordinary life that, that I knew could, could belong to me. And, and it was so shocking. And that is why you do call yourself the prison break coach, America's prison break coach. So just to give us a little bit of background, you were one of millions of young American black women who found themselves in that school to prison pipeline. Yes. And young women or women of color, it's one out sure. of 16 women of color will find themselves in prison at some point in their life as compared to white women where it's one in 111. And black girls in schools tend to be put in juvenile detention twice the rate of white girls and end up leaving school at a much greater rate than any other demographic. Absolutely. Who ended up in that cohort? How did that happen? Well, um, my entire life it had been, um, you know, really tough. I was born to teenage parents. I ended up being in a foster home. They ended up adopting me, but they passed away while I was still uh, in eighth grade school. So I dropped out of school in eighth grade and I went on to try to live life on my own. I started running away. Um, I didn't really trust anyone. I didn't want to listen to, to what anyone had to say. And over time, it just created a life for me um, that simulated that whole prison to pipeline system. You know, I'm dropping out of school. I don't want to listen to anybody. So in during that period of time, you're pegged, right? You're looked at as um, being difficult or you don't want to learn you're excluded from a lot of, of things um and but that was I, not your personality 
I remember that part of your TEDx story where you, and I just related to that. You said you were a little four-year-old girl, so eager to learn. And yeah. you, you had that experience in school where the teachers just shut you down and pushed you out and shut me down when I was real, when I said I knew something. And once I showed her, I knew it. So I, I feel like I went through life really afraid to, to speak up or say what I really knew, because in my mind, it meant that I would get excluded. I would get punished. Um, and that was a very traumatic experience for me at a very, very young age. And, and remembering that, like, I remember the teacher, I remember the day, pretty much I can remember what I, what I had on. Um, and it's something that you don't really know that it has an impact on you until you find yourself as an adult and having struggles and challenges in, in every area of your life. And that was me. Yeah. I, I relate to what you're saying. Like, I remember everything about that day. Yeah. I mean, the things that uh -huh. do really shape us are that yes. vivid decades later. So in your TEDx talk, you said, you, you know, when you, you asked people like, what would you have done if you found yourself in this situation, you know, you were um, handcuffed and, and people said that they would struggle and they would do this and that. And you gave an analogy of an elephant. Tell me. Yes, I, I, the, the elephant to me. So people always have an idea of how things are supposed to be. Right. And that's typically how we get judged or we judge others. So I find myself in a situation. So now I'm going to ask you, you know, what would you do? If you were, you know, handcuffed, shackled, blindfolded, thrown into a cage, what would you do to escape? So most people already have it mapped out. They know what they would do. They would tell, take this handcuff off. I'm going to get on the floor and call for help. But when I, I, when I looked at that, I learned that elephants, when they are in captivity, um, they are tied to a thick rope and a heavy chain every single night as babies. So at some point, the elephant forgets that it has this massive power. That's how you see elephants in, in the circus, and they're so obedient to the ringmaster. Because even though the elephant has the ability to pull away, it won't. Because it tried and failed so many times that it eventually gives up. And not just that one time, but for the rest of its life. So I feel that we, um, more specifically women, we have these these instances in, in our lives where we decide that we're going to give up and we're not going to ever try again, just like, just like the elephant. We just don't even believe that it's possible. No, you don't believe it's possible. When you no longer believe um, that it's possible or you give up hope, you stop trying and you just accept the situation. That's, you know, exactly the way it is. That's why we stay in stuff for way too long because we eventually give up and don't try anymore. We just don't even realize we do have any agency in our own life. So you forget about your power. Yeah. So if you had lived the bulk of your life in a situation where you were like repeatedly reminded you have no agency, you have no power, you are not in control of your destiny, what was that point at which that things flipped and now you look at things in terms of you were born to be extraordinary? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny because I don't think you know that it's coming. You don't even know that moment until you're in it. And that moment for me came when I was standing in front of a judge and being sentenced as a habitual offender, given a seven-year prison sentence for a um, nonviolent offense. And at that moment, I knew that I no longer had control, at least for the next seven years, potentially. And that was the moment where I said, I could never let this happen again. I have to figure out why I am the way I am, or how do I move from where I am to where I want to be, um, recognizing that there was more inside but I had not yet tapped into how it was going to happen. This and that, that was the, that in was that the moment part. in the courtroom? In that moment in the courtroom, I'm like, you know, 
led away. I, I was even asking for time to prepare. You know, can I can I prepare because my kids don't know that I'm here? He's like, no, your request is denied. Your sentence starts today. So it's like that interrupt. You know, I mean, I've learned psychologically now that that was a pattern interrupt for me. So it's like it was very harsh. And at the time, I thought it was the worst thing ever. But that was something hard enough to interrupt the pattern that I had been going through my entire life. And it forced me to think differently that, okay, I can't do this anymore. I thought it was working, but it's not. Um, and that's kind of where we find ourselves. We, we do something over and over again, and we create these habits and these patterns. We think they're working. We trick ourselves into believing that they're working, but they're really not. They're not serving us. They're not serving the world. Um, and that's where I found myself, right? In that, in that courtroom, I'm like, nope, never again. Never going to have anybody tell me where I'm going to live, where I'm going to be, what I'm going to do. So I had to figure out what my life would be like when I walked through those prison gates. And while you were figuring that out, you actually came up with the framework that you use now with your clients to, to yes. get them beyond that. But how long did it take you to, to figure it out and fully incorporate it in your life? How did well, you even do that? I, I think it was, it was already there, September. It was already there. It was like um, I started writing in a journal. And those writings became the framework because I'm really pulling myself apart. I'm like, okay, when you buy something and you need instructions on how to make it work, I wanted to know how I was working. What was making me tick? What was my triggers? What was making me do X, Y, Z, as opposed to maybe a, a better choice. And it came through the journal writings and I would read it to other women and they would be in tears. And, and I didn't understand why. And they would say, because that's me. So that was when I knew that what I was sharing, what do I need to know? Who do I need to be to be successful? And remember at this point, success for me just meant stay out of prison, right? It, it wasn't this big thing. It was just don't do the things that I was doing, figure out a way to heal. And that's where the framework was built. So I'm literally writing things down. I'm like, okay, what would, what was the, what would be the first thing that I would need to do to get out of my mental prison, which is what I recognize. Right. And then what's the next thing that I, I needed to do? And, and, and it came, I came up with five steps and it's know who you are, know what that means, accept where you've been, know where you're going and know how to get there. It's That's not simple. easy, but That's it's simple. simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To say it is simple. It represents a, like could be a lifetime of work, but yes, this was yes. a tried and true five-step methodology that you were working with the women that were there with yes. you in prison. Did you yes. find like that it was, everybody was feeling like that's exactly, was everybody in the same mental prison? Everyone was in the same mental prison based on the experiences of their past that had hurt them, scarred them, um, you know, affected them in some way that had never been resolved. So it, evo it evokes emotion to start talking about things that you've never said. Those things that I was writing down, I never said to anyone. And then you, you know? shared it. I shared it and they're like, that's me. You know, even if it wasn't the same thing that happened, it was the same experience or the same feeling of rejection or um, un being unworthy or no one listening, you know, and, and if that continues to carry throughout your life, you get to this place where you, you do things to cope. And for some people, those things ha happen to have consequences related to incarceration. Um, but to your point, you know, not necessarily warranting incarceration you know that's a whole nother topic we have to learn how to deal with people yeah. and their traumas 
um, before we just lock them up, you know, for being bad, you know, even well, kids. Yeah, first get rid of the for-profit prisons. That'd be a good start. Oh, yeah. We do not want to incentivize anybody to be locking people up. Yes. So so you were actually healing a whole population of women were there with yeah. you. And it's very, it's very cool to see where everyone is today. Like, I, you know, people would say you can't make friends in prison. No, nope, I've made a lot of great friends. Um, we continue to support one another in, in things that we've done, but it really, it's really, it's something that didn't, that I didn't believe um, existed, right? I felt like I had to heal myself because, you know, I could take an anger management class or I could take a parenting class, but th those weren't my challenges. You know, there wasn't anything specific to help me get through you know, my, my, um, my time in, in prison so that I could come out and be a better person. So I'm like, okay, I got to create it. doesn't exist. I got to create it. Yeah. Yeah. So this five-step system that you created is what you call the prison break success, success prison system. Break success. Copyright. Yes. <laughs> and you're now using that. You're still using that with your clients. Absolutely. Yes. So now that you're using that and it, it, some, some men, some women, I'm assuming, um mostly mostly men but yes but i say like a few brave men so you know definitely women are my passion but the system would work for anyone who's you know open and ready and willing to you know willing to try it i i, I personally believe that you know you can gain a lot of um a lot of information from you know men or women um but i personally believe that there's a different set of instructions for feet for for for, for us girls and and also I find especially in a group setting, you, um, mm -hmm. women end up reacting different and and modifying their behavior if it's a mixed yes. gender group. And if you're just there to help women, then sorry guys, we'll do you yes. another round. But yeah, yes, that's exactly it. it. It creates more of a safe space. So, but but I have, as I said, I lurk you on social media. I don't lurk you, but I have seen some of your <laughs> posts. <laughs> Nothing creepy or anything. But I have seen no, some no, of your no, posts. No, and I've, I've seen the response from, you know, people that obviously are ex-clients or current clients of yours, and it's men and women saying, oh, like, oh you're amazing, and you had such an impact yeah. on my life. But I noticed that you had said that you primarily work with women from 40 to 55. Now, what's going on? Because I, I run, before, when we could actually go places, I run a retreat yes. for women 50 plus to reset and relight their fire. So what's going on in your estimation with that demographic of women? Well, you know what, you know what it is? Well, when I went to prison, I was 37. Um, and I feel like when I was going through the work, I started to recognize so many things about me that I had uncovered or that I had never been able to do, or I just stopped dreaming, right? So I feel that that population of women or, you know, like myself, um, we spend so much time taking care of everyone else. You, I can probably tell you the numerous women who have a, a problem with when you say take time for yourself and self-care and you can do it and don't feel guilty. They don't even know how to do that. Yeah. So I feel like that's the age where your kids are kind of growing up. They might be on their way out of the house or they don't really want to be around you anymore. You know, they want to be with their friends. So you don't have that safety net. Um, you may be in a relationship where you've grown to not even know each other anymore because you've spent so much time caring, or maybe you've catered so much to your spouse or family. Maybe at that age, you also have parents that you might be taking care of. So I feel like that's a very specific age group in which we don't remember the things we like or love. We've given up, like the elephant, on even trying to figure out what is it that we want to do. And we just accept life just the way it is. And we trick ourselves into believing that we're just fine. What's oh, fine. I don't need all that. I don't need that. 
And when you dig into the heart and the soul of, of a woman who is um, ready, you know, and, and can tap into those things that she has forgotten about, you could just see, I have an exercise where I tell women to like, just close your eyes and just tell me what an ideal day would look like. Pretend this is your world. You have a magic stick and you just, and you can do whatever you want. And I, I want them to be so specific. They're like, oh, I'm waking up and the, the sheets like smell like clean linen and they're, they're white and the window is open and there's a breeze, but I can smell bacon cooking in the kitchen. Like that's serious, but they're not doing that. They're, they're, you know, running out to the, to, to the grocery store with a baseball hat on and almost pajamas to get last minute things. And, you know, we just forget, we, we forget. So that's, that, that's why that age is um, key for me. So are you finding that all of the, all of the women that you're dealing with, is it pretty straight down the line that they all have a very similar mental prison that they're in or are there varieties? Have you d discovered certain columns of, okay, they're, they're, Dealing with that, they're it's, dealing with this. Yeah, they all are dealing with something, maybe a different scenario, but it's they're they're all similar in a way that they're doing something that they either don't really want to do anymore, they want to do something else, and they don't know how. Like so, they could be a a professional woman working in an office, but she's pulling up and she's feeling sick to her stomach because she's like she doesn't want to do that. She really wants to start her own business, but she has to do this nine to five, and this is what she knows, or you know, just, they, they just don't know how to dream again. They want to do something. They don't remember how to tap in. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's in relationships. It's in friends and family. It's, they're doing everything for everyone else. And they have forgotten who they are and what they need for themselves or desire. One thing I add to that whole paradigm for that demographic is that up until this point in our life, as women, we've been kind of handed playbooks either by school, you know, you go, no, you do this and or societal. You, you get married, you have kids, you have your job, yes, you do this. Yes, and then this yes. is the first time in your life where it's like, hey, babe, time for you to write the script here because there is no playbook for this. Nobody's going to be no. telling you what to do. So having someone like you to help them break out and figure out, no, life should be extraordinary. Yes, it should. And you said it because that's where we're programmed. We're programmed in, you know, when we're in where, when you're in grade school, it's like your program. All you need to be thinking about is going to middle school. All right, now you're in middle school. All that everybody cares about is preparing for high school. All right, now you're in high school. Everyone just wants you to get ready for college. Then after that, like you said, all right, time to get married, have some babies. Okay, raise these kids and be the soccer mom and you know go to church and it's your your program to do yep. that. And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> now what? Like, and nobody's there telling you. That. I've done all that. Now what now what do I do? Well, I've always wanted and some of the things are just so simple that women want to do. And they're saying, well, you know what I've always really wanted to do, but I just never really had the time, the money, the resources, the the you know, just the, the idea of it all. So that that's it. So once I learned how to do it and I started doing it, I was like, I just don't care. I want to wake up when I'm done sleeping. <laughs> it was as simple as that for me to start. Like I have to own my own business where I show up when I want to show up. Which is one of the beauties of entrepreneurial <laughs> lifestyle. Yes. Yes. It's a yes, lot of work. If I don't but... want that early meeting, I'm like, you know what else? What's the schedule like in two weeks? I'm like, you know, yeah. I can put it off. So when, when people work with you and you help them identify what is the mental prison, what are all the, the facets of that? And then help mm -hmm. them break out of that. What does life look like? What do the successes oh, of your program look like? It's like a, tr it's like true freedom. Um, I mean, I can think specifically about someone that I worked with uh, who was a pastor 
And it was because that's what the family did. You know, parents were pastors. They were a youth pastor at a church. Uh, and there was this tugging. So there was, there, there was always this like tug. And you, I call it like, there's certain things that you'll be permitted to do because you can be good at, mm-hmm. but there's like something more perfect that really like your soul sings. And long story short, um, she went on to create an organization that still did similar work, yeah. but it wasn't as confining as it was to, to church or, you know, what she felt was being like very rigorous and um, not really being able to express herself in a way that she did. So, you know, it, it, it's always great to see when someone can really tap into that thing, yeah. you know, that they're, that they're really great at. That's it's interesting just, that through working with you, she did do that break, breaking free of what was constraining her but it Mm -hmm. didn't actually end up being such an extreme change in her life. It was just a tweak that made what she was doing much more livable and enjoyable. Yes. And fulfilling. Yeah. And that's me. I mean, that's what I do. Like um, based on where I've been and what I've experienced, I've always been fascinated with and you know, how behavior just always was very intriguing to me, but I couldn't be a psychologist by trade because the law says that no matter how many years it's been and how successful I am, that's a profession that um, I would be banned from, um, providing services for really so, really yeah there's about in what the there's hell? about yeah there's there's several in in my area there's 218 professions that I could never do just based on the fact that I had been convic- convicted of a felony doesn't matter how long ago it was or anything I can't even be a landscaping architect oh my god I, I can see the connection there yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so, yeah, so it, it, what I do what my work okay, I have a question. I have a question. I have a question. Yes. These, these 218 vocations and professions. Yeah. Are they lucrative professions? They could be. Yeah. So that's just another punishment on top of everything else, including yes. the you, you know, in most states, if you've committed a felony, you no longer have the right to vote. You know, the United States is only one of four countries in the world that have a law like that. Insane. And I voted for the first time um in not this past election, election before that for the first time because the law changed in my city. Nice. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So I had no idea. Actually, when you think about it, not allowing somebody to be a psychologist just because they've been incarcerated, they are bringing perspective and skills and a depth of knowledge to that, that they could be helping people. with. That's exactly why I'm doing what I do, because I know that there's another way. And I teach other people to be resourceful in a, in a similar way. So it's like, I'm still doing all the things I love to do, but I'm the workaround. It's like the, the workaround. I, I, I get people to really recognize instead of always thinking of all the things you can't do. Yeah. And that came from my personal prison experience. Yeah. I couldn't, I can't sit around and say that they won't help me. I can't get a job. I got to check the box off. Um, even if I got a job, it's not a livable wage. So I had to create, I had to create it. Got to be innovative. It, so that's kind of what, what I help do. I compel people to be more resourceful in getting to the place that they really want to be, even if they don't feel like they know how or they feel stuck. That's all you need is a mentor behind you saying, you can do it. We will figure this yes. out. Yes. Like, what did we say? Okay. We don't talk like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I have to ask, how, how long generally do people work with you to, how long does it take um, to, to make that, that leap from, you depends. know? depends. Like, I mean, and they don't even leave. Like, it's still like, you know, even when you were saying like the Facebook posts and all the people commenting and they're still there, you know, we, I, there, there's all different types of levels. So, you know, even if you're not working with me anymore, 
you're you're still seeing my posts. Maybe you listen to a video or attend a workshop here and there. Um, but there's I don't really like to put a time limit on it because it just it just depends. But my work um, does achieve help people achieve results faster. So it doesn't typically take that long mm-hmm. um, for someone who's really who's really ready and they get, gain that clarity and they're serious about it. They're re- they're ready to do the work. What is it that takes a person to the point where they are ready? Have you noticed that there's a series of things that because some people never get there. They never do realize that that, you know, that elephant cord around their leg is actually breakable. Yeah, it's that it's that pattern interrupt. It's like that one time where everything that you've been trying to do has been working for you or you think it's been working for you and something happens. And unfortunately, it's usually some sort of loss. Right. So loss of a job. Right. A job that you really were miserable at anyway, but you lose that and then you lose your identity. Right. People leaving the military is a great example. Um, I spoke to a group of, of military men and women um, not too long ago, and they talked about how, you know, how much respect they get when they're in their uniform and people see them and they, you know, they're offering them coffee. But if you look at what happens to, you know, our veterans in, in the United States after they are no longer in active service, they're forgotten. And, you know, nobody looks at them the same way. So it's sort of like recognizing that they've lost their identity in a relationship. You know, maybe you were married and you're not married anymore maybe the loss of a loved one. You're not that in that role anymore. You're, you don't have that title. Um, I think that that's usually it for people when they're ready because then they're, they're just tired. They're tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired. They know it's something and you don't really know what it is. But that's usually some sort of loss. It doesn't have to be anything dramatic or drastic, but something occurs. Um, and that's why we're seeing a lot of people right now, even in the, the pandemic, people are coming out of all of the things that they you know, didn't, weren't weren't sure about it's like i had some time to sit and be quiet and this is what i want to do it's 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 an exciting time mm-hmm. it really is i mean a lot of things that you think well no i would be happy if this whole pandemic thing didn't happen <laughs> but it has really generated a lot of growth and change yes. and energy that's really we've needed it. yes it's moving you gotta get yeah. gotta, gotta get with the move gotta get with the move so when when people generally, as you say, uh, most of your clients, the, the, the people you work with are women. Mm-hmm. When they come and, and they do the work with you and they break out of the prison and we discuss, you know, what life now looks like, you know, like you, the freedom to, to do and achieve and be what you wanted to be and live that extraordinary life. Some people might hear that and think, well, that's kind of selfish, you know, like what? So you're just like finding yourself or something, but... <laughs> You you say there are much wider ramifications to these women breaking free. It just it isn't just the individual. No, it's not. Me being free liberated my entire family. Uh, because they they see you as an example, right? If they see mom doing something that she always wanted to do and not complaining about that thing that she can't do, they catch on, you know. So we become an example. And then most of us, the things that we really want to do. And I challenge people with this too, is most of the time, the thing that we want to do is not really all about us anyway, right? So we, we spend our lives caring for everyone else. So the work that we w- desire to do would impact other people naturally. It's like, I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to work. I've always had a heart for this population. So if you can break free to do more of that and do it showing up authentically, you are you are now a piece of that, not only in your own family, but in your community. Uh, and, you know, you, you send a woman to, to, to prison, you send her whole family to prison. It's the same way. 
If you're in a mental prison, your whole family is in prison and that impacts the community. Um, you know, having all these people not really being who they sh were created to be. So it, it, it has a Im greater impact, community and, and eventually the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I have recently been reading um, a book, The Double X Economy, and they're talking about how a woman's position in society and, and how happy she is, how free she is, the, the net wealth she has, the access to work yeah. and liberty that she has directly correlates with GDP in that country. So oh, yes. keeping, you know, like there's no benefit to not having women be fulfilled and happy. You fulfill Definitely and have a happy, fulfilled women in your society. It's better for everyone. Absolutely. And I love that you see <laughs> that and incorporate that in what you're doing. It is. It's, it, it is. It's like all the things that you want to do. It really involves. It's not you anyway. Like you know, people might say, "Oh, that's selfish." But no, guess what? Your light bulb comes on. You're lighting the way for for other people. Yes. Yes. That Maya Angelou uh, quote about you know when a woman stands up for herself, whether she knows it or not, yes. she's standing up for that is every real. other woman. We we see it now more than ever. Yes. So you yourself are doing that very thing. You are also an advocate for incarcerated women, which. Just so fantastic. Thank you very much for that. And criminal justice involving females and gender specific programming. Tell me a little bit about all that. That sounds intense. Where, do you even sleep? I know. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it, it really is being the voice. So it's, it's very, it's just like what I was discussing is, you know, my light comes on, I need to share that light. And there's a lot of factors that go into what how traumatic continually a life is for a woman while incarcerated. So it's like you have this girl that's wounded or this woman that's wounded, she goes into prison and there isn't really anything to help her recover. And then you send her right back out into the world. So it's sort of a system designed to, to pull you back. Yeah, it goes back yeah. broken more, yeah. you know? Um, it's very humiliating and I feel that there's a lot of programs um, that are are great support systems for women, but what I've learned is it's uh, more effective to be a, a peer mentor, a peer support. Yeah. So if I go in and I tell them they can do it and I don't look like where I came from, there's just a little bit more trust there because they know yeah. that I understand as opposed to someone just saying, yes, you can do it, you're great. And I'm like, I know what it's like to not feel great, look great, come home, lights is off, you know, sleeping in a car, you know, having to walk to the bus stop without an umbrella, the simple things. I know what all that is like. So, you know, the advocacy is really showing people through my work, like I um, consider myself like a poster child or anything, but I'm an example of how with the right systems and support set in place, women can be successful after incarceration. Mm -hmm. And they need certain things that a lot of the systems are designed where they don't know that. So my advocacy, my advocacy comes into the fact of finding ways to give women dignity while they're serving their sentences and create avenues so that they don't have so many barriers immediately. I mean, when I first started doing this work after my incarceration, it was something as simple as helping someone get, they don't have money to get an ID card. So then they can't go get a job or sign up for benefits. And then they're just there. They're just like, okay, well, you're in the halfway house. You don't have these things. Dignity. They're carrying their belongings around in a black trash bag. It's all of those things. So when I when I talk about the advocacy, there's just certain things that women need that are different from men. And not only that, most programs are designed with the man in mind because we never really had 
women incarcerated at the rate that they're at right now. So tell me a little bit about your program that you that you run with your clients. Well, I start out with um, the framework really starts with the mindset. Mm-hmm. So I always take all of new clients through, and it's usually in a group setting, um, and it's the the idea of manifestation. And it's not in a way that we typically think about it. So they have to go through understanding how they have this power to manifest whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a, there's, I, I use a combination of spiritual principles as well as the psychological personality piece. So in order to really know who you are, you have to embrace some things about yourself that you probably were told was not good. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, example, like, um, all right, think of a, I I always use this example too, like somebody like Kevin Hart, right? He's an amazing comedian. He's the man everywhere you go. But can you imagine how many people probably, he got on their nerves in school or when he was younger, it's like, you play too much stuff. You're always fooling around. You never take anything serious. And I use that as an example. So some, like for me, people would say, you talk too much. You're always talking, like stop talking, like that being that silenced, hmm. but that's my gift. So what I'm using now is what, what other people said was negative that prevented me from standing up and saying things and answering the question. That's my life's mission. I answer questions. I help people solve problems. So it's, it's sort of that, it's like, you have to know these things. So I take them through a manifestation um, course first. Uh, and that's like three hours, Two, two, two classes, three hours each. And then they can apply to be um, in, in my more intense program. Uh-huh. Because I, there's a, it's a process because what I've learned is that's how I'm able to cherry pick and identify. Because everyone's not a good fit, right? So I, I can't pretend that everyone is for me or I'm for everybody. Yeah. But I think if you go through that course, you'll have enough to at least do some things on your own if that's all you need. Mm-hmm. But the, for the people that want to go a little bit deeper, then they apply, um, and then we go through more of an in-depth. I do a full personality assessment um, that really identifies that core issue, which is something that a lot of people don't recognize. It's the hidden core issue. It's not even something that they know. And is that core issue ultimately the key to them yes. breaking through and, and getting to the other side and living that extraordinary life, or at least giving themselves it, permission? Yes, you got it. So there's a core issue um, that's at the heart of all of our behavior, um, but we don't recognize it. And then we have the high point, which is our compensator. So these are all of the things that we're doing to avoid dealing with the core. So I bring that to light and I just give them some things to consider and we take it from there. Then it's more of a, it's still going through the five steps, but each person is more a cookie cutter experience um, because everyone's different and different technologies or um, techniques work better for different people depending on what that is. Have you ever had the experience where you identify that that core issue and then the comp- the compensation that they're putting in place for it? Do most people go like, oh, yep, I recognize it? Or do you sometimes have people go like, no, no? Nine times, I think I probably have only had one person that disagreed. Um, and in most cases, that just means they're not really not ready. Yeah. Because this, is, this is science. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's wow. Science-based. It's, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's an evaluation. It's, um, you know, it's like a personality test, but on a deeper level. So mm-hmm. it, it identifies a lot of different things. And I can pretty much read the person and say, so in this particular situation, this is probably what you're doing. 
oh my gosh, that's me, you know? And then I get them to go back to when that first started, you know? And it, it, for, for me, mine would be being silenced as a four-year-old uh, and being humiliated, wetting my pants because mm -hmm. the teacher wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. So that was my core. And then I compensated that by being overly positive. So I never even let myself feel anything negative. Oh. So I never really even dealt with any because everything because I just was like, oh yeah, I don't really care. You ever meet anybody who they just say they don't care about anything? Yep. That that was me. Hmm, interesting. But that was the truth. That was my yeah. cover-up. So those are the kind of things that we start out with. And then if they're really ready, there's ways to to tap into it and reframe um that whole thing that's going on in here. Yeah that has now manifested out into our everyday life. We walk it out without even realizing it. So I have a question. If you took somebody through that process and you identified mm -hmm. those, those two issues and they acknowledge it and they see it and then, you know, it's probably a light bulb moment. Is it possible to just kind of like leave it there and walk away or is that life changing? Like well, I would think most people I, would want to do the work, but yes, could you just go like, question. you're right. I'm getting yes. on my life. You can, because now you know what it is when you say it, but deep down, they didn't really recognize it. They're just, I'm just mirroring what their life experience is and they can say yes, right? So just the mere fact that you're aware of it, the very next time you have that situation, you're going to automatically deal with it differently because it's now it's conscious. If I know that that's my issue, then the next time it comes up, I'm like, okay, yeah, I have to stand up for myself now. This is this is one of those moments. I'm not going to just back down and not say anything. So then I stand up for myself. So you get stronger and stronger. And, you know, you you may not, and that's kind of what the purpose is. It's like, you get, you always can get just enough to get started, but then some people are going to want more. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this sounds like extremely, extremely powerful stuff, like life-changing. Yes. How often do you run these programs? Well, the goal, I usually run them three times a year. Mm -hmm. And then during that, whatever, that those three months is, would be my, my period of doing, you know, doing me. Uh, so it's usually three times a year. Um, so I have another one starting up in an, in an, in a couple of weeks. Um, and then we finish that cohort out. I work with a group of people, I have my break and then, you know, I pick it up again at a, at a, at a later time. So yeah, just three times a year, get a group of ladies together and then, um, we do the work and it, it creates friendships. You know, you have people that are being vulnerable together and sharing and they're like, I thought I was the only one. It's just very, very powerful to do it in that sort of a setting. With COVID, are you able to do it virtually? Mm -hmm. it, yes, it can be done virtually. I, most of it was virtual. Um, I did do a lot of on-site. Some of the work included some, you know, some on-site teachings, but, um, you know, due to COVID, we've gone all virtual for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can, it could definitely also be like a, a hybrid model as well. So some of the things that we do, um, but we, it's better. I mean, it works out because there's, I don't have to limit myself to live or that could drive to where I am. Um, so it's even that much more um, powerful to be able to make the impact. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody wanted to, and, and obviously they'd have to pay a premium. Do you ever do this with individuals? I have done it with individuals and it would be more like a VIP yeah. So yeah. depending on what it was they needed, it could be a VIP for a day or, um, you know, we kind of just determine what would be needed. But yeah, it can be done. It, it can be done in a short period of time um, and it can be like a one on one VIP. Imagine what kind of mind blowing day would that be? You wake up in the morning. Start, and... There's highs and lows. 
you know, but it's, um, it doesn't take as long as people think to shift uh, a mindset. Uh, and then it just takes practice. Which I can imagine is why people want to keep touching, touching base with you and following you. On yes, social media. like I know what you said, or you'll be proud of me. Like that's what I get a lot. Like you'll be so proud of me. The other day this happened and I didn't even respond that way. Or, you know, I hear you over my shoulder. It's it's phenomenal. It's oh. it's really um rewarding work. That must be just amazing for you to know that you're impacting people like that. Yes. And I don't, I don't let them stay in any pity party. That's another thing. That's that's why I'm the prison break coach. I'm 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 tough. I'm like, yeah, no, not going there today. We're not, I'm not coming to the party. Invite me when it's a, when it's a good party, but no pity party. Love it. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk thank to me you. about this. I really, this, awesome. it's, this is the mind blowingness that I had of watching your TEDx talk, the link of which <laughs> I will be putting in the notes for both the YouTube yes. and the podcast. Thank you. And also I'll be putting in the links for your business so people know how to contact you and find you on social media. So before we go, is there yes. any one last thing? If there was one thing you wish people would leave this taking away, what would that be? Yes. Please take away, if at first you don't succeed, redefine success. Uh, and all that means is you can change your mind at any time, but start to define Jesus. success for you, not for how everyone else has painted the picture for you to, to be. Love that. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget to take a look down in the notes to find any of the links to the goodies we talked about in today's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel so you don't miss the next episode. Rate us or review us on iTunes or on YouTube and share us with a friend that you think might just need a bit of inspiration to start doing her own awesome shit. Do you know an incredible gal that's all that that you think the world needs to know more about? Head on over to our Facebook or our Instagram channel and DM me. Tell me about her. We'll see if we can't get her on the She's All That podcast.